Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tonight, I will be reading... The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. Chapter 1 Marseille, the arrival 
on the 24th of February, 1815. A lookout at Notre-Dame-de-la-Garde signaled the three-master, the Faroon, from Smyrna, Triste, and Naples. As usual, a pilot put off immediately, and rounding the Chateau d'If, got on board the vessel between Cape Morgion and Rion Island. Immediately, and according to custom, the ramparts of Fort Saint-Jean were covered with spectators. It is always an event at Marseille for a ship to come into port, especially when this ship, like the Ferron, has been built, rigged, and laden at the old Fosse docks and belongs to an owner of the city. The ship drew on and had safely passed the strait, which some volcanic shock has made between the Calasarain and Jaros Islands, had doubled Pomegue and approached the harbour under top sails, jib and spanker, but so slowly and sedately that the idlers, with that instinct which is the forerunner of evil, asked one another what misfortune could have happened on board. However, those experienced in navigation saw plainly that if any accident had occurred, it was not to the vessel herself, for she bore down with all the evidence of being skillfully handled. The anchor, a cockbill, the jibboom guys already eased off, and standing by the side of the pilot, who was staring the pharaoh towards the narrow entrance of the port, was a young man who with activity and vigilant eye watched every motion of the ship and repeated each direction of the pilot. The vague disquietude which prevailed among the spectators had so much affected one of the crowd that he did not await the arrival of the vessel in harbour, but jumping into a small skiff, desired to be pulled alongside the pharaoh, which he reached as she rounded into La Reserve Basin. When the young man on board saw this person approach, he left his station by the pilot and, hat in hand, leaned over the ship's bulwarks. He was a fine, tall, slim young fellow of eighteen or twenty, with black eyes and hair as dark as a raven's wing, and his whole appearance bespoke that calmness and resolution peculiar to men accustomed from their cradle to contend with danger. Ah, is it you, Dantes? cried the man in the skiff. What's the matter? And why have you such an air of sadness aboard? A great misfortune, Monsieur Morel, replied the young man. A great misfortune, for me especially. Off Chivita Vicaya, we lost our brave Captain Leclerc. And the cargo, inquired the owner eagerly. Is all safe, Monsieur Morel? And I think you'll be satisfied on that head. But poor Captain Leclerc. What happened to him? asked the owner, with an air of considerable resignation. What happened to the worthy captain? He died. Fell into the sea? No, sir. He died of brain fever in dreadful agony. Then turning to the crew, he said, Bear a hand there to take in sail. All hands obeyed, and at once the eight or ten seamen who composed the crew sprang to their respective stations at the spanker rails and outhaul topsail sheets and halyards, the jib downhaul, and the topsail clune lines and bunt lines. The young sailor gave a look to see that his orders were promptly and accurately obeyed, and then turned again to the owner. And how did this misfortune occur? inquired the latter, resuming the interrupted conversation. Alas, sir, 
in the most unexpected manner. After a long talk with the harbour master, Captain Leclerc left Naples greatly disturbed in mind. In 24 hours, he was attacked by a fever and died three days afterwards. We performed the usual burial service and he was at his rest, sewn up in his hammock with a 36-pound shot at his head and his heels off El Jigio Island. We bring to his widow his sword and cross of honour. It was worthwhile, truly, added the young man with a melancholy smile, to make war against the English for ten years and to die in his bed at last, like everybody else. Why, you see, Edmund, replied the owner, who appeared more comforted at every moment. We are all mortal, and the old must make way for the young. If not, why, there would be no promotion. And since you assure me that the cargo is all safe and sound, Monsieur Morel, take my word for it, and I advise you not to take 25,000 francs for the profits of the voyage. Then, as they were just passing the round tower, the young man shouted, Stand by there to lower the topsails and jib. Brail up the spanker. The order was executed as promptly as it would have been on board a man of war. Let go and clue up. At this last command, all the sails were lowered and the vessel moved almost imperceptibly onwards. Now, if you will come aboard, Monsieur Morel, said Dantes, observing the owner's impatience, here's your supercargo, Monsieur Danglars, coming out of his cabin, who will furnish you with every particular. As for me, I must look after the anchoring and dress the ship in mourning. The owner did not wait for a second invitation. He seized a rope which Dantes flung to him, and with an activity that would have done credit to a sailor, climbed up the side of the ship, while the young man, going to his task, left the conversation to Danglars, who now came towards the owner. He was a man of twenty-five or twenty-six years of age, of unprepossessing countenance, obsequious to his superiors, insolent to his subordinates, and this, in addition to his position as responsible agent on board, which is always obnoxious to the sailors, made him as much disliked by the crew as Edmond Dantes was beloved by them. Well, Monsieur Morel, said Danglars, you have heard of the misfortune that has befallen us. Yes, yes, poor Captain Leclerc. He was a brave and an honest man, and a first-rate seaman, who had seen long and honourable service, as became a man charged with the interest of a house so important as that of Morel and Son, replied Danglars. But, replied the owner, glancing after Dantes, who was watching the anchoring of the vessel. It seems to me that a sailor needs not be so old as you say, Danglars, to understand his business, for our friend Edmond seems to understand it thoroughly and not to require instruction from anyone. Yes, said Danglars, darting at Edmond, a look gleaming with hate. Yes, he is young, and youth is invariably self-confident. Scarcely was the captain's breath out of his body when he assumed the command without consulting anyone, and he caused us to lose a day and a half at the island of Elba instead of making for Marseille direct. As to taking command of the vessel, replied Morel, that was his duty as captain's mate. As to losing a day and a half off the island of Elba, he was wrong, unless the vessel needed repairs. The vessel was in as good a condition as I am and, as I hope, you are, Monsieur Morel. 
and this day and a half was lost from pure whim, for the pleasure of going ashore and nothing else. Dantes, said the ship owner, turning towards the young man, come this way. In a moment, sir, answered Dantes, and I'm with you. Then calling to the crew, he said, let go. The anchor was instantly dropped, and the chain ran rattling through the porthole. Dantes continued at his post in spite of the presence of the pilot, until this manoeuvre was completed, and then he added, half-mast the colours and square the yards. You see, said Danglars, he fancies himself captain already, upon my word. And so, in fact, he is, said the owner. Except your signature and your partner's, Monsieur Morel. And why should he not have this? asked the owner. He is young, it is true, but he seems to me a thorough seaman and full of experience. A cloud passed over Danglars' brow. Your pardon, Monsieur Morel, said Dantes, approaching. The vessel now rides at anchor, and I am at your service. You hailed me, I think? Danglars retreated a step or two. I wish to inquire why you stopped at the island of Elba. I do not know, sir. It was to fulfill the last instructions of Captain Leclerc, who, when dying, gave me a packet for Marshal Bertrand. Then, did you see him, Edmond? Who? The Marshal? Yes. Morel looked round him, and then, drawing Dantes on one side, he said suddenly, And how is the Emperor? Very well, as far as I could judge from the sight of him. You saw the Emperor, then? He entered the Marshal's apartment while I was there. And you spoke to him? Why, it was he who spoke to me, sir, said Dantes with a smile. And what did he say to you? Asked me questions about the vessel, the time she left Marseille, the course she had taken, and what was her cargo. I believe if she had not been laden, and I had been her master, he would have bought her. But I told him I was only mate, and that she belonged to the firm of Morel and Son. Ah, yes, he said, I know them. The Morels have been shipowners from father to son and there was a Morel who served in the same regiment with me when I was in garrison at Valence. Pardieu, and that is true, cried the owner, greatly delighted. And that was Polycar Morel, my uncle, who was afterwards a captain. Dantes, you must tell my uncle that the emperor remembered him, and you will see it will bring tears into the old soldier's eyes. Come, come, continued he, patting Edmond's shoulder kindly. You did very right, Dantes, to follow Captain Leclerc's instructions and touch Elba. Although, if it were known that you had conveyed a packet to the marshal and had conversed with the emperor, it might bring you into trouble. How could that bring me into trouble, sir? asked Dantes. For I did not even know of what I was the bearer, and the emperor merely made such inquiries as he would of the first comer. But pardon me, here are the health officers and the customs inspectors coming alongside. And the young man went to the gangway. As he departed, Danglar approached and said, Well, it appears that he has given you satisfactory reasons for his landing at Porto Ferrajo. Yes, most satisfactory, my dear Danglar. Well, so much the better, said the supercargo, for it is not pleasant to think that a comrade has not done his duty. Dantes has done his, replied the owner, and that is not saying much. It was Captain Leclerc who gave orders for this delay. 
talking of Captain Leclerc, has not Dantes given you a letter from him? To me? No. Was there one? I believe that, besides the packet, Captain Leclerc confided a letter to his care. Of what packet are you speaking, Danglars? Why, that which Dantes left at Portoferrajo. How do you know he had a packet to leave at Portoferrajo? Danglars turned very red. I was passing close to the door of the captain's cabin, which was half open, and I saw him give the packet and letter to Dantes. He did not speak to me of it, replied the shipowner. But if there be any letter, he will give it to me. Danglars reflected for a moment. Then, Monsieur Morel, I beg of you, said he, not to say a word to Dantes on the subject. I may have been mistaken. At this moment, the young man returned. Danglars withdrew. Well, my dear Dantes, are you now free? inquired the owner. Yes, sir. You have not been long delayed? No. I gave the custom house officers a copy of our bill of lading, and as to the other papers, they sent a man off with a pilot, to whom I gave them. Then you have nothing more to do here? No, everything is all right now. Then you can come and dine with me. I really must ask you to excuse me, Monsieur Morel. My first visit is due to my father, though I am not the less grateful for the honor you have done me. Right, Dantes, quite right. I always knew you were a good son. And, inquired Dantes with some hesitation, do you know how my father is? Well, I believe, my dear Edmond, though I have not seen him lately. Yes, he likes to keep himself shut up in his little room. That proves, at least, that he is wanted for nothing during your absence. Dantes smiled. My father is proud, sir, and if he had not a meal left, I doubt it if he would have asked anything from anyone except from heaven. Well then, after this first visit has been made, we shall count on you. I must again excuse myself, Monsieur Morel, for after this first visit has been paid, I have another, which I am most anxious to pay. True, Dantes. I forgot that there was at the Catalans someone who expects you no less impatiently than your father. The lovely Mercedes. Dantes blushed. Aha, said the shipowner. I am not in the least surprised, for she has been to me three times, inquiring if there were any news of the Faron. Edmund, you have a very handsome mistress. She's not my mistress, replied the young sailor, gravely. She's my betrothed. Sometimes one and the same thing, said Morel with a smile. Not with us, sir, replied Dantes. Well, well, my dear Edmund, continued the owner. Don't let me detain you. You've managed my affairs so well that I ought to allow you all the time you require for your own. Do you want any money? No, sir. I have all my pay to take, nearly three months' wages. You are a careful fellow, Edmond. Say I have a poor father, sir. Yes, yes. I know how good a son you are, so now hasten away to see your father. I have a son, too and I should be very wroth with those who detained him from me after a three-months' voyage. Then I have your leave, sir? Yes. If you have nothing more to say to me? Nothing. Captain Leclerc did not, before he die, give you a letter for me? He was unable to write, sir. But that reminds me that I must ask your leave of absence for some days. To get married? Yes, first. <laughs> 
and then to go to Paris. Very good. Have what time you require, Dantes. It will take quite six weeks to unload the cargo, and we cannot get you ready for sea until three months after that. Only be back again in three months for the Ferone, added the owner, patting the young sailor on the back. Cannot sail without her captain. Without her captain? cried Dantes, his eyes sparkling with animation. Pray mind what you say, for you are touching on the most secret wishes of my heart. Is it really your intention to make me captain of the Ferone? If I were sole owner, we'd shake hands on it now, my dear Dantes, and call it settled. But I have a partner, and you know the Italian proverb, Ci ha compagno a padrone. He who has a partner has a master. But the thing is at least half done, as you have won out of the two votes. Rely on me to procure you the other. I will do my best. Ah, Monsieur Morel, exclaimed the young seaman, with tears in his eyes and grasping the owner's hand. Monsieur Morel, I thank you in the name of my father and of Mercedes. That's all right, Edmond. There's a providence that watches over the deserving. Go to your father, go and see Mercedes, and afterwards come to me. Shall I row you ashore? No, thank you. I shall remain and look over the accounts with Danglars. Have you been satisfied with him this voyage? That is according to the sense you attach to the question, sir. Do you mean is he a good comrade? No, for I think he never liked me since the day when I was silly enough, after a little quarrel we had, to propose to him to stop for ten minutes at the island of Monte Cristo to settle the dispute a proposition which I was wrong to suggest, and he quite right to refuse. If you mean as responsible agent, when you ask me the question, I believe there is nothing to say against him, and that you will be content with the way in which he has performed his duty. But tell me, Dantes, if you had command of the Ferone, should you be glad to see Danglars remain? Captain or mate, Monsieur Morel, I shall always have the greatest respect for those who possess the owner's confidence. That's right, that's right, Dantes. I see you are a thoroughly good fellow and will detain you no longer. Go, for I see how impatient you are. Then I have leave. Go, I tell you. May I have the use of your skiff? Certainly. Then for the present, Monsieur Morel, farewell and a thousand thanks. I hope soon to see you again, my dear Edmond. Good luck to you. The young sailor jumped into the skiff and sat down in the stern sheets with the order that he be put ashore at La Canabière. The two oarsmen bent to their work, and the little boat glided away as rapidly as possible in the midst of the thousand vessels which choke up the narrow way which leads between the two rows of ships from the mouth of the harbour to the Quai d'Orléans. The shipowner, smiling, followed him with his eyes until he saw him spring out on the quay and disappear in the midst of the throng, which from five o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night swarms in the famous street of La Canabere, a street of which the modern Versaillans are so proud that they say with all the gravity in the world and with that accent which gives so much character to what is said, if Paris had La Canabere, Paris would be a second Marseille. And turning round, the owner saw Danglars behind him, awaiting orders, but in reality also watching the young sailor. But there was a great difference in the expression of the two men 
who thus followed the movements of Edmond Dantes. Chapter 2 Father and Son We will leave Danglars struggling with the demon of hatred and endeavoring to insinuate in the ear of the shipowner some evil suspicions against his comrade, and follow Dantes, who after having traversed La Canabere, took the Rue de Noailles, and entering a small house on the left of the Allée de Malion, rapidly ascended four flights of a dark staircase, holding the baluster with one hand, while with the other he repressed the beatings of his heart, and paused before a half-open door from which he could see the whole of a small room. The room was occupied by Dantes's father. The news of the arrival of the Ferron had not yet reached the old man, who mounted on a chair, was amusing himself by training with trembling hands the nasturtiums and sprays of clematis that clamoured over the trellis at his window. Suddenly, he felt an arm thrown around his body and a well-known voice behind him exclaimed, Father, dear father. The old man uttered a cry and turned round. Then seeing his son, he fell into his arms, pale and trembling. What ails you, my dearest father? Are you ill? inquired the young man, much alarmed. No, no, my dear Edmond, my boy, my son. No, but I did not expect you. And joy, the surprise of seeing you so suddenly. I feel as if I were going to die. Come, come, cheer up, my dear father. Tis I, really I. They say joy never hurts, and so I came to you without any warning. Come now, do smile instead of looking at me so solemnly. Here I am back again, and we are going to be happy. Yes, yes, my boy, so we will, so we will, replied the old man. But how shall we be happy? Shall you never leave me again? Come, tell me all the good fortune that has befallen you. God forgive me, said the young man, for rejoicing at happiness derived from the misery of others. But heaven knows, I did not seek this good fortune. It has happened, and I really cannot pretend to lament it. The good Captain Leclerc is dead, father, and it is probable that, with the aid of Monsieur Morel, I shall have his place. Do you understand, father? Only imagine me, a captain at twenty, with a hundred louis pay, and a share in the profits. Is it not more than a poor sailor like me could have hoped for? Yes, my dear boy, replied the old man. It is very fortunate. Well then, with the first money I touch, I mean you to have a small house with a garden in which to plant clematis, nasturtiums, and honeysuckle. But what ails you, father? Are you not well? Tis nothing, nothing. It will soon pass away. And as he said so, the old man's strength failed him, and he fell backwards. Come, come, said the young man. A glass of wine, father, will revive you. Where do you keep your wine? No, no, thanks. You need not look for it. I do not want it, said the old man. Yes, father, tell me where it is. And he opened two or three cupboards. It is no use, said the old man. There is no wine. What? No wine? said Dantes, turning pale and looking alternately at the hollow cheeks of the old man and the empty cupboards. What? No wine? Have you wanted money, father? I want nothing now that I have you, said the old man. Yet, stammered Dantes. 
yet I gave you two hundred francs when I left three months ago. Yes, yes, Edmund, that is true. But you forgot at that time a little debt to our neighbor, Caderousse. He reminded me of it, telling me if I did not pay for you, he would be paid by Monsieur Morel. And so, you see, lest he might do you an injury. Well, why I paid him? But, cried Dantes, it was a hundred and forty francs I owed Caderousse. Yes, stammered the old man. And you paid him out of the two hundred francs I left you? The old man nodded. So that you have lived for three months on sixty francs, muttered Edmund. You know how little I require, said the old man. Heaven pardon me, cried Edmund, falling on his knees before his father. What are you doing? You have wounded me to the heart. Never mind it, for I see you once more, said the old man. And now it's all over. Everything is all right again. Yes, here I am, said the young man, with a promising future and a little money. Here, father, he said, take this, take it, and send for something immediately. And he emptied his pockets on the table, the contents consisting of a dozen gold coins, five or six five-franc pieces, and some smaller coin. The countenance of old Dantes brightened. Whom does this belong to? he inquired. To me. To you. To us. Take it. Buy some provisions. Be happy. And tomorrow we shall have more. Gently, gently, said the old man with a smile. And by your leave, I will use your purse moderately. For they would say, if they saw me buy too many things at a time, that I had been obliged to await your return in order to be able to purchase them. Do as you please, but first of all, pray have a servant, father. I will not have you left alone so long. I have some smuggled coffee and most capital tobacco in a small chest in the hold, which you shall have tomorrow. But hush, here comes somebody. Tis Caderousse, who has heard of your arrival and no doubt comes to congratulate you on your fortunate return. Ah, lips that say one thing while the heart thinks another, murmured Edmund. But never mind. He is a neighbor who has done us a service on a time so he's welcome. As Edmund paused, the black and bearded head of Caderousse appeared at the door. He was a man of twenty-five or twenty-six and held a piece of cloth, which, being a tailor, he was about to make into a coat lining. What, is it you, Edmund, back again, said he, with a broad Marseillaise accent and a grin that displayed his ivory white teeth? Yes, as you see, neighbor Caderousse, and ready to be agreeable to you in any and every way, replied Dantes, but ill concealing his coldness under this cloak of civility. Thanks, but fortunately, I do not want for anything, and it chances that at times there are others who have need of me. Dantes made a gesture. I do not allude to you, my boy. No, no. I lent you money, and you returned it. That's like good neighbors, and we are quits. We are never quits with those who oblige us, was Dantes's reply, for when we do not owe them money, we owe them gratitude. What's the use of mentioning that? What is done is done. Let us talk of your happy return, my boy. I had gone on the quay to match a piece of mulberry cloth when I met friend Danglars. You at Marseille? Yes, says he. I thought you were at Smyrna. I was. 
but I am now back again. And where's the dear boy, our little Edmund? Why, with his father, no doubt, replied Danglars. And so I came, added Caderousse, as fast as I could to have the pleasure of shaking hands with a friend. Worthy Caderousse, said the old man, he is so much attached to us. Yes, to be sure I am. I love and esteem you, because honest folks are so rare. But it seems you have come back rich, my boy, continued the tailor, looking askance at the handful of gold and silver which Dantes had thrown on the table. The young man remarked the greedy glance which shone in the dark eyes of his neighbor. This money is not mine. I was expressing to my father my fears that he had wanted many things in my absence, and to convince me, he emptied his purse on the table. Come, father, added Dantes, put this money back in your box, unless neighbor Caderousse wants anything, and in that case it is at his service. No, my boy, no, said Caderousse. I am not in any want, thank God. My living is suited to my means. Keep your money. Keep it, I say. One never has too much. But at the same time, my boy, I am as much obliged by your offer as if I took advantage of it. It was offered with goodwill, said Dantes. No doubt, my boy, no doubt. Well, you stand well with Monsieur Morel, I hear, you insinuating dog you. Monsieur Morel has always been exceedingly kind to me, replied Dantes. Then you were wrong to refuse to dine with him. What? Did you refuse to dine with him? said old Dantes. And did he invite you to dine? Yes, my dear father, replied Edmond, smiling at his father's astonishment at the excessive honor paid to his son. And why did you refuse, my son? inquired the old man. That I might the sooner see you again, my dear father, replied the young man. I was most anxious to see you. But it must have vexed Monsieur Morel, good, worthy man, said Caderousse, and when you were looking forward to be captain, it was wrong to annoy the owner. But I explained to him the cause of my refusal, replied Dantes, and I hope he fully understood it. Yes, but to be captain, one must do a little flattery to one's patrons. I hope to be captain without that, said Dantes. So much the better, so much the better. Nothing will give greater pleasure to all your old friends, and I know one down there behind the St. Nicholas Citadel who will not be sorry to hear it. Mercedes, said the old man. Yes, my dear father, and with your permission, now I have seen you and know you are well and have all you require, I will ask your consent to go and pay a visit to the Catalans. Go, my dear boy, said old Dantes, and heaven bless you and your wife as it has blessed me and my son. His wife, said Caderousse. Why, how fast you go on, Father Dantes. She's not his wife yet, as it seems to me. No, but according to all probability, she soon will be, replied Bedmond. Yes, yes, said Caderousse. But you were right to return as soon as possible, my boy. And why? Because Mercedes is a very fine girl. And fine girls never lack followers. She particularly has them by dozens. Really, answered Edmond with a smile which had in it traces of slight uneasiness. Ah, yes, continued Caderousse, and capital offers too. But you know, you'll be captain, and who could refuse you then? Meaning to say, replied Dantes, with a smile which but ill-concealed his trouble, that if I were not a captain? Caderousse shook his head. Come, come, said the sailor. I have a better opinion than you of women in general, 
and of Mercedes in particular, and I am certain that, captain or not, she will remain ever faithful to me. So much the better, so much the better, said Caderousse. When one is going to be married, there is nothing like implicit confidence. But never mind that, my boy. Go and announce your arrival and let her know all your hopes and prospects. I will go directly, was Eben's reply, and embracing his father and nodding to Caderousse, he left the apartment. Caderousse lingered for a moment, then taking leave of old Dantes, he went downstairs to rejoin Danglars, who awaited him at the corner of the Rue Senac. Well, said Danglars, did you see him? I have just left him, answered Caderousse. Did he allude to his hope of being captain? He spoke of it as a thing already decided. Indeed, said Danglars. He's in too much hurry, it appears to me. Well, it seems Monsieur Morel has promised him the thing. So that he is quite elated about it. Why, yes, he is actually insolent over the matter, has already offered me his patronage, as if he were a grand personage, and proffered me a loan of money, as though he were a banker. Which you refused? Most assuredly. Although I might easily have accepted it, for it was I who put into his hands the first silver he ever earned. But now Monsieur Dantes has no longer any occasion for assistance. He is about to become a captain. He is not one yet, said Danglars. It will be as well if he is not, answered Caderousse, for if he should be, there will be really no speaking to him. If we choose, replied Danglars, he will remain what he is, and perhaps become even less than he is. What do you mean? Nothing. I was speaking to myself. And is he still in love with the Catalan? Over head and ears. But unless I am much mistaken, there will be a storm in that quarter. Explain yourself. Why should I? It is more important than you think, perhaps. You do not like Dantes? I never like upstarts. Then tell me all you know about the Catalan. I know nothing for certain. Only I have seen things which induce me to believe, as I told you, that the future captain will find some annoyance in the vicinity of the VA infirmaries. What have you seen? Come, tell me. Well, every time I've seen Mercedes come into the city, she's been accompanied by a tall, strapping, black-eyed Catalan with a red complexion, brown skin, and fierce air, whom she calls cousin. Really? And you think this cousin pays her attentions? I only suppose so. What else can a strapping chap of twenty-one mean with a fine wench of seventeen? And you say that Dantes has gone to the Catalans? He went before I came down. Let us go the same way. We shall stop at La Reserve, and we can drink a glass of La Margue whilst we wait for news. Come along, said Caderousse, but you pay the score. Of course, replied Danglars, and going quickly to the designated place, they called for a bottle of wine and two glasses. Pierre Pomphile had seen Dantes pass not ten minutes before, and assured that he was at the Catalans, they sat down under the budding foliage of the plains and sycamores, in the branches of which the birds were singing their welcome to one of the first days of spring. Good night.